The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the original series episode, The Alternative Factor. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. Hi, Dom. Uh, folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Star Trek t-shirt or mug or phone case or more by visiting sqpn.com slash merch. And I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash secrets. So uh, we're talking about The Alternative Factor, this first season original series episode. And Jimmy, can you give us a rundown of what happens in this episode? This week, the Enterprise is mapping a depopulated planet. But intergalactic quakes that seem to shake the universe start happening, and they seem to be centered on the planet. So they go down and meet a scruffy-looking guy named Lazarus with a ridiculous fake beard that keeps dramatically changing how thick it is. (laughs) Lazarus has what looks like a big toy spaceship on the surface of the planet, and he claims that he's being persecuted by an evil man who destroyed his civilization. In fact, Lazarus is raving paranoid crazy about this man. Only sometimes he's not. Eventually, Captain Kirk and the gang realize that they're living through an evil twin plot, and there are two Lazaruses, one good and one evil, who keep switching places. It turns out that there's a parallel antimatter universe that the good Lazarus is from, and if the two Lazaruses meet in either universe, it will cause universal destruction, even though that's not how antimatter works. Both Lazaruses steal dilithium crystals from the Enterprise to power their big toy spaceships. Captain Kirk follows one of them down to the evil Lazarus's toy spaceship on the planet, but he's accidentally thrown into the antimatter universe, where he talks with the good Lazarus and forms a plan. When he goes back to our universe, he needs to force evil Lazarus into a kind of corridor between the universes, where good Lazarus will be waiting for him, and they can have a wrestling match for all eternity. Kirk then needs to destroy evil Lazarus's toy spaceship, which will also somehow destroy good Lazarus's toy spaceship in the antimatter universe, so neither Lazarus can ever get out of the corridor. Kirk goes back to our universe and executes the plan, saving both universes, but trapping both Lazaruses for all eternity, eternity, Mm. eternity, (laughs) the end. Echo, echo. Yep, um... So the, the the actor who plays Lazarus in this is uh name of um Robert Brown was a last minute addition. And when yeah. I say last minute, I mean last minute. It was supposed to be uh played by the actor John Drew Barrymore. Uh not John Drew. Yep. Yeah, John Drew Barrymore, yeah. who is yep. literally Drew Barrymore's dad, uh and also the son of um the other famous Barrymore, uh who was unstable. Wait, you know, he was mentally unstable, but unfortunately and sadly. Uh, and after this, he basically, so what happened is, is he was supposed to show up, didn't show up to work, 
and they had to go grab uh, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Brown and literally drag him to the set and says, here's the script. You're on. Let's go. And John Barrymore never worked again. So, um, well, he didn't work for six months. I think he worked after that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of exaggerate. He um, he only ever had like some a few minor roles and ended up uh, basically homeless and, and kind of uh, yeah. spaced out. So uh, which is sad. But uh, it it kind of explains. I have to give Robert Brown credit for being last minute on the set. He mm-hmm. did pretty darn good uh, for for this. But yeah, it explains a little bit of the a little bit of the weirdness in this episode. A little bit. Some weird <laughs> editing that was done to choices that were kind of made as they're going through that really. And, and you know this, as I said before, this is I'm doing my first run through on TOS. Uh, I've never actually sat down and watched all of TOS, and. This was confusing. This yes. was, it got really bizarre and really confusing. And as I said before that we started recording, do we need to drop the LSD now or <laughs> it was the 60s, you know, it, you know, and it was just, and, and part of that was, you know, when you look at the, 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 the memory alpha wiki is really helpful for to kind of help clear some of this stuff up because of course they've gone through and watched it and they know the background stuff. There was editing choices kind of throughout the whole thing that really changed the story to make it as confusing as it was. Yeah, they had to, and some of that was the fault of the story, but some of it was the fault of the last minute change and having to adapt to that and rearrange the shooting schedule. And, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the whole episode was kind of a victim of that. Also, this episode comes across as really slow um, mm-hmm. in terms of what's happening because they they gutted the plot that was originally meant to be. There's a, um, there's a, She's wearing a blue uniform, yeah. But mm-hmm. she functions like she's an engineer. Her name is Lieutenant Masters, yep. and the plan was for her to fall in love with Lazarus and betray the crew. And when the script idea came in, now this is first season, so not all the writers knew what had been done. But when it came in, when this came in, Gene Roddenberry said, "Ah, uh, that kind of just happened with Lieutenant Marla MacGyver's and Khan." <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we don't want that exact same plot, you know, happening in close succession. So let's cut it out. Yeah. And as a result, they cut out the major source of drama from the episode. And we're left with evil Lazarus raving like a madman about good Lazarus. And they have to keep switching places, but they can't let Kirk talk to good Lazarus and actually know what's going on until the last six minutes. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we've got to go through 44 minutes of this with the crew not really realizing what's happening and, and it, and the two Lazarus is just switching places constantly. The only one, only member of the crew that's realized what was going on was McCoy. And of course, Kirk's like, if I had time for this, I'd laugh. In other words, it's like, this is ridiculous. He thinks McCoy's pranking him with the Lazarus, yeah. like Lazarus switching places or changing because one has a head wound, the other one doesn't, and they don't have dermal regenerators at this point, apparently. And so yeah. we, the way we're supposed to recognize the different ones is bandage, no bandage. Um, but like Kirk. McCoy has him in sick bay, has Lazarus in sick bay, and then disappears. And Kirk asks, "Where is he?" And McCoy says, "I don't know, Jim. It's a big <laughs> ship, but I'm just a country doctor. You yeah. let a potential ultra powerful, violent man roam around the ship unguarded. <laughs> like, 
it's just kind of crazy. Uh, so, you know, kind of jumping back to the beginning. So we have this event that shakes not just the ship or the planet, but apparently the entire galaxy feels the effects, like at least the quadrant, but they imply that the effects go well beyond it. Um, and for some reason that makes them think it's a prelude to an invasion. I'm not sure why. I know the entire galaxy and far beyond we're told shakes. And you think that's an invasion from what I'm, I'm, I I know it's like this far transcends the ability of any civilization. This, that dwarfs the Borg, okay? Right. Yeah. <laughs> or the Organians. <laughs> yeah. Who do you think is behind this? I mean, right. I if if the entire universe suddenly seem, seems to wink out for a second, I'm like, okay, that's probably a natural phenomenon. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't know what's causing it, but it's something that's affecting the whole universe. I'm guessing it's not an alien invasion. <laughs> I mean, it may be the cube, but even if it is an alien invasion, what do you something that powerful? What are you mm-hmm. going to do about it? Like, you you can't fight that, right? If it can make you know reality itself wink out, because um, Starfleet well, and, and, pulls back, like the Commodore says, they're pulling back, and the the Enterprise is bait. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Well, you know, and, and if if all of existence is winking out, yet not the crews on the starships. Well, right. Well, they're like winking out. For, yeah, it was weird. It was a bad explanation. Like, I mean, how how would you yeah. if if all of if all of existence winked out, that would include you. How would you know it even happened in the first place? Right. Although I suppose Spock's is technically on the verge of winking out. You know, it, yeah. He also limits it to magnetic and gravimetric things. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it's maybe like the all the electromagnetic force and the gravitational force suddenly went to zero for a second but the atomic um the the strong and weak nuclear forces were still there holding atoms together <laughs> and they didn't drift far enough in the moment of winking out because of lack of electromagnetism or gravity that things actually got disrupted i would have liked to see the, they could do it today not then like everyone just kind of boom to the ceiling and back down again no gravity yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kirk does say uh, to Spock, I want facts, not poetry, <laughs> which is doing the best I can, Captain. This is a really weird thing. Um, just want to point out, by the way, with uh, Lieutenant Masters as the de facto engineering person in this episode, I hesitate to see chief engineer. No Sulu well, or Scotty. Yeah, yeah, Sulu and Scotty are mysteriously absent. It, in In Scotty's case, I think that may be explainable by the role of Lieutenant Masters in the plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, they, they have the plot, the Lazaruses are after dilithium crystals and, and presumably she would have given them to, to Lazarus maybe in the original s- sketch. So having her as an engineer, even though she's wearing the wrong uniform, kind of makes sense it could make sense okay we only have so much budget we can only pay so many actors we need her for an engineering role so we're not going to have scotty right that that makes sense why they don't have sulu and they've got lieutenant leslie in his spot i don't know um he may have been off doing other things Mm -hmm. george takei did do other acting jobs like there's a run of episodes where he's missing because he's off acting in the green berets with john wayne right right i remember Mm -hmm. that but why he's missing here, I I don't know. 
Incidentally, Lieutenant Leslie is surprisingly, he appears in like 59 episodes. <laughs> yes. He's almost a regular member of the crew. He is as much a regular member of the crew as all those people whose name I don't names I don't know in Discovery. <laughs> because they don't give him enough to do. But he owes his name to William Shatner because it wasn't in the script. But Shatner refers to him as Lieutenant Leslie as a deliberate name check of his daughter, Leslie Shatner. Mm. Oh, oh interesting. Nice. That's fun. I would do that if it were me. I would do that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he um, must have been one of the uh, stock Desilu actors, you know, just kind <laughs> yeah. of the you fill in where needed type of person. I mean, 59 episodes, that's more than uh, Chekhov, you know, that <laughs> he shows yeah. up. Yeah. Um, he's, he's like the, the Sergeant Siler of, of, <laughs> of the original series. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's the Siler from Stargate. That's right. Um, so, so Lazarus, when they find him on the planet, Lazarus has this habit of falling from places. Have you noticed yeah. that? <laughs> it's like always falling. He's, Stop climbing very, up on the rocks. <laughs> he's very accident prone. Yeah. <laughs> there could be a really funny parody episode of this, of this story. <laughs> oh, Carol Burnett has did an accident prone sketch. Yeah. The, but, oh, um, Lower Deck should totally do a takeoff of this, where they take encounter a I guy know. who just keeps falling yeah. off of stuff. <laughs> I, 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 I kept, I, it's like, I want Lower Decks to to interact with this episode. <laughs> <laughs> to run into Lazarus again. Uh, so, he, to, yeah, like you mentioned, he's, he's, uh, he's hunting a monster, death incarnate, anti-life. And he like he views his own hunt as a holy cause. Join my holy cause. He he says the captain, um, and then Spock basically calls him a lying liar who lies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it it really nicely. And yeah. and 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 even though the actor's delivery is not particularly incensed, yep. the script calls for Leonard Nimoy at that point to say, "I do not understand your indignation," even though he hasn't really shown much. Yeah, I have simply deduced that you were a liar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, Dr. Greer. I mean, um, uh, Lazarus. Uh- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stephen Greer reference for folks who may not be familiar with yes. that episode of Jimmy Akin's Mysterious World. Yeah. Yes. Go go look that up. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the we have the dilithium crystals that – do they ever get the dilithium crystals back at the end? Uh, I I kind don't, of assumed they got two of them back, but they may not. They may just blow up his ship with the dilithium still in it. Oh, yeah, they say, can't. I, they can't get two of them back because they're in the antimatter universe. Yeah, yeah. And I think the other two were d- destroyed with the ship. Because I don't think they show him taking them. Yeah, it's like another bit of a plot hole then, because you know, without the crystals, we're going to you know fall out of orbit. Except they don't. They fly away at the end. So. Uh, you know, I don't know. They they do have a line about we won't be able to function at full power. So mm-hmm. maybe they have enough power yeah. to be able, you know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, and you can tell this is, you know, early in, in Star Trek lore because the crystals store the energy that they use to run the ship versus later in TNG and beyond. It's the crystals convert the antimatter energy to right. the warp field and all that. To the source, right. Yeah. The the dilithium crystals also look totally different than what we see later because later when we see them they're much more organic crystals like quartz crystals mm-hmm. you know that you would get out of a cave but here they are um they're formed into these neat uh 
polygons. Yeah. It's kind of like a square with a triangle stuck to one end. And they're very regular. Yeah, that's true. Um, another little funny element of the directing is, is they, when they go to the planet to search for the crystals uh, in you know that Lazarus took, Kirk says, all right, split up and search. And they all walk off in a big gaggle <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> like, maybe you guys could spread out a bit. It's a big planet. Go <laughs> searching it. Um, and then Lazarus is with them, um, but then he goes off on his own again. Like, like, why are you letting him go off on his own? Like, it just, you know, Kirk was derelict. He was crazy, so he just wandered off on his own anyways. <laughs> but yeah, why didn't one of them say, uh, go with him? Yes. Watch him. <laughs> yeah. Also, according to Spock at the beginning, this episode has, this planet has an oxygen-hydrogen atmosphere. <laughs> and it's like... Really? An oxygen-hydrogen <laughs> atmosphere? I'm surprised they're not Hy- all dead. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, because hydrogen functions like an alkali metal. It is extremely reactive. And if there's one spark on that planet, the atmosphere is going to catch fire and blow up. <laughs> and, and then at the end, there will be a bunch of water on the surface of the planet. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no yes, atmosphere. Right. Yes, no atmosphere, <laughs> just water. Um. So Lazarus claims that he's a time traveler, which actually made me think of Prodigy a little bit. Like, he's a time traveler who's hunting down the man who destroyed his civilization, the monster, mm-hmm. you know, in traveling through time. So there's a little bit of Prodigy mm-hmm. feeling there. Yep. Um, but they finally get to the parallel universe theory, the, you know, we have parallel matter, antimatter universes. Um, and like you said, Jimmy, they o- totally overstate the danger of Lazarus and anti-Lazarus meeting. Well, they both understate it and overstate it because they, they, Kirk keeps talking about if two identical particles meet, it will annihilate. And he's, th- he's talking about Lazarus as if he's two identical particles. Right. And it's like, no, dude, that means like if an electron meets an anti-electron, they blow up. <laughs> And, you know, all those atoms your body is made of, you know Mm. what their outer shells contain? Mm. Electrons. (laughs) Right. So if you go to an antimatter universe and come into contact with any atoms, they're going to have anti-electrons in their shells, and that will start the process of the energy release. So you don't need two Lazaruses to touch you just need matter touching antimatter and 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 so you can't be standing here in this antimatter universe <laughs> without this happening right. and neither can the good anti-lazarus be in our universe right. without this happening and then it won't destroy the entire universe it will just cause a big local explosion right yep. probably a human sized probably big enough Put, take a chunk out of the planet, but uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but not the whole universe. Yeah, of course, and it's, it's funny as, as they're describing that Kirk is literally leaning against the anti spaceship, <laughs> you know. So, all this matter, this person made of matter, is leaning and standing on the planet. It's like, yeah, it doesn't quite work, you know. The principle on which your ship runs, which probably isn't true yet, we probably haven't gotten to matter antimatter engines yet, but yeah, yeah. But uh, they, they say that everything. Everything that exists everywhere will be annihilated, which is mm-hmm. no, dude. That is not how antimatter works, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're 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 just looking at the matter antimatter reaction as a mirror, right? Where the mirror image of Lazarus. The two come together, it causes it instead of just any electrons and anti electrons. 
Except apparently in the psychedelic uh, um, antechamber where oh, they, they can man. wrestle. Yeah. Um. Okay. So let's talk about the <laughs> negative magnetic corridor. First of all, I want to know, is this made of monopoles or something? Is that why it's negative? <laughs> but periodically, this, this, the area immediately around Lazarus will get blurry, even though people standing a few yards away are not blurry. But the area around Lazarus gets blurry, and he starts to look like he's in pain. And then we see him and good Lazarus in this corridor um, that they have tricked out with, like, they're using color filters and stuff. Dry and, ice. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and, and, and they are, they're superimposing an image of the Triffid Nebula over it for some reason. And... Wow, they did not try because <laughs> you can see the walls of this thing. There's yeah. two walls on either side of them. There's a wall behind them. You can see a bar on the wall behind them. So this is very obviously a set. Yeah. This mm -hmm. is not something, this is not an, a vague void. This is a set. And you can see the edges of the set and art artifacts within it and they've just got dry ice going and they've got two stuntmen wrestling neither stuntman looks like lazarus <laughs> and neither stuntman is even bearded they didn't even bother to stick one of those stupid fake beards on them so they're not even <laughs> yeah. trying right Apparently, they took a still of this without the reverse negative effect and used it in the yeah. credits of Squire of Gothos, which I didn't recall seeing. Where, where you, you have Kirk standing in, in yeah. the corridor without the special effects. Yeah. Shatner stumbling around. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was kind of, I, that's one of the things I really, the, the things that stood out to me when I'd seen this as a kid, that particular, the, the negative mm -hmm. effect, and that that was the thing that stood out for me in this one. But we never well, get an explanation for why. When you know, we know why they go into the corridor when they go through that little door of the ship. It's apparently a gateway, but the effect continues on the Enterprise and just wandering around the planet for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's it funny as I was watching this. You know, you'd see that scene where you'd have the nebula over superimposed, and then the video would spin off and then spin back. Like all I could think of was the original Batman series. Yeah. It's interesting that they decide to ha to flip things a little bit and say, so to speak, um, the anti Lazarus is the good guy. He's the mm -hmm. sane one, you know. And that's the, okay. I like yeah, that. Yeah, that yep. was good. Um, not sure why blowing up the ship, the spaceship in the, our universe, also destroys the other one. Maybe they're connected somehow. Um, you know, um, what do you think the, of the name Lazarus? Do, do you think there's a meaning reason they 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 chose that particular name? You know, given that the name is a famous biblical name, I don't, I don't. Nothing occurs to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I did wonder like about that, but I don't. There's no obvious connection because yeah, the biblical I, Lazarus. All that we really know. I mean, there are few things that scholars have conjectured, but all that it, all that the scriptwriter would have known is Lazarus is a guy who dies and comes back from the dead. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but that does not happen. To the Lazarus and these, I think they picked it just because it's a cool name. Okay, mm -hmm. and there's the other it's Lazarus. Got a, got a, it's got a Z in it, and it <laughs> and it um it sounds Latinate because of that Latin ending, and it's and it sounds cool. 
So I, and it's got a, a cultural reference. So I think that's it's just because uh, just because a cool sounding name. Okay. Inci- incidentally, Lazarus is it, it is a Latinate form of the Greek name Lazarus, which has as you can hear the Greek os ending instead mm-hmm. of the Latin us ending. But that stuck onto it in the process of bringing it into Greek. The Hebrew or Aramaic name would be Eleazar oh. or, or Eleazar, which then gets the Greek ending Elazaros, and then it becomes Lazarus. So Eleazar is the same as Lazarus. Oh, cool. Like yeah, same the, root name. Same root name. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. I didn't do that. Um, yeah. And well, this is the other Lazarus, too, that the, from the parable about the, uh, the rich man and Lazarus, too, but. Uh, who may be the same guy, because guess what happens with him? He <laughs> dies, and someone proposes he comes back to life. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and it's the only parable where Jesus names anybody. Yeah. So it some people have speculated, and that's all it is. It's not proof. It's just yeah. speculation that this parable might be based on the historical figure Lazarus. Based on true events, <laughs> Yeah. TV shows say. Uh, cool. So, uh, any final thoughts on the alternative factor, Father Corey? Wow, that was quick. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there wasn't much that happened. That, that ended it was much... okay. I get it. it. Was it was confusing? It was probably one of the more confusing ones so far. I did. I did like I saw online where you know, like on a review website, where wow, this one make makes me think high, more highly of Spock's brain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How about you? There's there's a there's a theory because Spock's brain was actually written by Gene Kuhn, who was an extremely mm. good writer mm. uh, of original series episodes and producer and there's a it's been i've seen it proposed and i'll have to we'll have to talk about when we get spock's brain but i've seen it proposed that spock's brain is meant to be a parody episode Mm. and it just didn't get made quite right so that the parody didn't come through and it just seems bad but if you think about it as they're doing a parody it it comes across better yeah nice I didn't think this one was that bad. It's I, I, this is not the worst original series episode. I I could probably find mm-hmm. some other, but it's not it's not great. It's it's just boring and incoherent. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's a lower half of uh of, of you know definitely lower half or lower quarter of the episodes. But so well, since I mentioned the fake beard, I should probably explain that for people who haven't seen it. Um, you know, it's common for actors in especially in period television like this, uh, like 60s and 70s and 50s, to, because beards were not very common among, you know, mm-hmm. in regular society at the time, and especially not among mature people. By the late 60s, you had young guys wearing them, but not so much older people. And so if you wanted a character to be bearded, you frequently had to put a, a fake beard on them. And what that would typically mean in a stage production or on television was they would use spirit gum, which they would apply to your face, and then they would stick hair to the spirit gum. And they could shape the beard however they wanted. So in Lazarus's case, what they've done is they've got a kind of a goatee for him. It's really long. It is a long goatee. And then they have a kind of a mustache that goes around the parts the goes around the edges of his mouth but does not meet in the center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so it's like there's no way anyone's actually going to shave their mustache that way. <laughs> 
so it it looks bizarre. But I can okay, he's an alien. I can deal with bizarre. That's fine. What is not fine is how between shots, yeah, the density keeps changing. Yeah. yeah, if you if you in some scenes now most of the time it's pretty thick. It's it's thick enough that you can see it at a distance. But in other shots, in a distance, is like, is he clean shaven? Yeah. yeah. And when you get when you get a close up, it's like they've just put a few strands of hair on mm-hmm. his face. Yep. And it's like, what were they thinking? Yeah. How did the actor should have said, dude, you put <laughs> way more hair on me before. Aren't people going to notice it's different now? Yeah. And, and they just didn't care, I guess. It's and it's not like good Lazarus, bad Lazarus difference. It's no, the no. same like the same bad Lazarus or same good Lazarus yeah, between literal shots. Yeah. Yeah, there's one one scene where he literally has like five strands of hair on his chin yeah and a few strands like his beard is all or his mustache is almost gone yeah the strands you know i don't know if it, like it fell out between scenes and they just said i ah, forget it just shoot it anyways or what but i think it goes to show how much they were having a bad time making this particular episode <laughs> i really feel like it oh man yeah i mean it's the equivalent of watching us say okay there's a woman with a full set of hair and now she's almost bald <laughs> what <laughs> what happened why didn't you fix this and you know i I do wonder if there was a, if they had initially intended where he, the good Lazarus was going to lose his beard and it just, the way they edited or the way it ended up being shot, it didn't work out that way. Like he was losing it over time. Yeah. The, it could be, I suppose. But except it just, it the way it ended up being, forth. Yeah. yeah, but except for the way they edited it and the way they recorded it, it ended up being just mismatched. So um, one, of the th- one of the things I was going to say was, Someone may, may be wondering why, just it's sort of in a larger sense, why our order of episodes of TOS might be different from what you've seen either online or the way it's ordered, like, say, on Paramount Plus or various other services. Mm-hmm. There is not an accepted necessarily, you know, this is the exact order. There's an, there's an order in which it was aired, but some of that was, the. it's different from the production order. So different different systems have it listed in different orders. Right. So when Jimmy mentioned that Space Seed already had, uh, you know, a alien influencing one of the female crew members in a romance, and that you know causes problems, um, we haven't talked about Space Seed yet because that's not in the order that we're doing it. So just in case thank you. I was, I was well, actually I forgot to ask about that because I was <laughs> I was wondering because yeah, this was this was the episode what two after Space Seed or something like that in the in the. Uh, airing in a, order in a particular airing, airing order, order, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I because I was I was wondering, like, I don't remember talking about that. And I know I've, I've been looking forward to talking about the the con episode. So in the in, yeah, when we started doing this, I decided to choose the uh, memory alpha order, and I've just kind of stuck to the, that, which is the production order. Yeah, something along that line. By the way, it didn't occur to me until just now, but um, so it's probably worth mentioning. The actress who plays Lieutenant Masters happens to be African-American, and mm-hmm. the actor who plays Lazarus happens to be white. So if we had had the original intention, we would have had a black-white romance mm-hmm. in this episode, which would have been notable for the time. Yeah, yes. that would have predated what the, the episode that had the uh, famous Kirk Uhura kiss, which was a yeah. big deal for the censors at the time. 
Yep. It was a big deal. It wasn't actually the first interracial kiss on American television. Um, there had already been one with a, a Caucasian actor play, kissing an Asian uh, actress. Um, but it, it would have been, the I think, the first yeah. uh, African-American Caucasian kiss. Right. Yep. Right. Um, that was the big deal about it. And that's why that episode got banned in the some southern states. Yep. Or weren't aired, at least, in some southern states because of the uproar. Yeah. A couple other things about the episode that are, number one, the the spaceship that Lazarus has, which he says is also a time ship, yep. mm-hmm. and apparently it's an interdimensional ship, too. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> it does. It's, it, it, it looks like something. It's not actually, I don't know of anything from the major Matt Mason line of space toys that looks exactly like this. But wow, it looks like something from a line of toys. Yep. From the 1960s. It looks like a little flying saucer with just enough space for one guy to sit in it under a, under a under a plastic glass bubble. So it looks ridiculous. Also, Lazarus claims that the planet they're around that they're on is his home planet that good Lazarus has destroyed. And good Lazarus says that evil Lazarus is crazy, so we don't know who destroyed it. He claims, and this was actually kind of a nice line. At one point, Kirk asks him, well, if your civilization was destroyed, why weren't you killed? And he says, because I was off-planet inspecting magnetic comm satellites, Mm. magnetic communication satellites. And so, okay, that, that makes sense. You weren't on planet at the time, and yeah, okay, that's fine. Um, but he says it's this planet, and but when we see the antimatter universe, it looks just as destroyed. So, why would his planet be destroyed in two different universes? Same reason destroying the time the ship, ship in one place and, and the yeah, I don't may, know. what maybe. happens on one happens on the other. Wibbly wobbly, yeah. timey wimey. Uh, oh wait, that's a different <laughs> series. Or maybe it's not even his planet, really. That's the thing. Is like there's there's nothing about Lazarus really in this. We don't know who he is, where he came from, what his deal is. You know, he's just kind of dropped in here as this agent of chaos, and that's it. There's no Mm -hmm. there's no bigger story of who Mm -hmm. this character is, and that's you know you know another aspect of the story that kind of falls short. There's also a moment, and this is actually I took a more charitable view of this. Um, There's a moment where they where Spock says we're detecting this radiation source on the planet and it's it's Lazarus's ship and they haven't detected it previously but now they are and Kirk says why and so forth and Spock explains that it's an unknown form of radiation and and they reason from that since we understand the laws of nature for our universe that it must be a source of radiation coming from another universe. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of the things that puts them on the trail of, of, um, of, of figuring out that there's another universe. And, you know, as soon as he says that this is unknown radiation, it's, uh, my immediate question is then how are you measuring it? <laughs> because if, if, if you, you know, it's, you, you're registering something and whatever you're registering is known. But in thinking about that, I said to myself, you know, we do have dark energy. Mm-hmm. 
we we can detect things not directly, but the effects mm, yep. of of other things that we don't know. And same thing with dark matter. We can't detect it directly, but we can detect its effects, or at least we can. Now, there are alternative theories that would do away with both dark matter and dark energy, but we can detect anomalies that we can then reasonably conjecture that there is an unknown form of matter or an unknown form of energy that's responsible for these anomalies. And so I said to myself, well, that's probably what Spock's doing here. He's not detecting the unknown energy itself. He's detecting some effect Mm, that would be plausibly explained by an unknown form of energy. However, they then ruin it all by saying this is an antimatter universe, which means it operates just like ours, only the electrical charges are flipped. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So um, one thing I, I, I wanted to bring up because it just occurred to me was, you know how we talked about how the uh, alternative factor, the, the what is it, the negatively charged corridor between universes, um, we could see the the walls and the – yeah. Um, yeah. That the back may, wall. That may be because of the remastering. They remastered all the special effects in the uh, yep. in, you know, in the last twenty years. I wonder if that made it more visible. I remember seeing it in the original. <laughs> I yeah. think. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, also, this whole "you're going to be trapped for all eternity." Yeah. No, just till you die. <laughs> yeah. They they haven't they haven't uh, they haven't said anything about these guys being immortal or unkillable. Right. So you know. Probably one of them kills the other five minutes after they start their fight, and that's it. <laughs> well, and and I wonder if if this particular effect was ever remastered at all. I mean, it it doesn't look like anything that would have been redone. At least again, when I watched it, the, according to Memory Alpha, they did remaster it. Yeah. Some they changed okay. it. They didn't refilm or anything like that, but they changed how it looks a little bit. It made it, made it, it brighter. Been better if they. Probably would have been better if they would have refilmed it. Just hire us two, you know, <laughs> stunt doubles to come in and stand in a conference room and fight. Probably would have been better. <laughs> right, right. I would say the the color uh, processing that they do on the shots is is worth complimenting because it's not simply – so normally we've got our regular characters running around in black pants. Mm-hmm. And Lazarus is wearing a dark costume, but it looks bright in the corridor so they it it looks like they've done something that's like a color reversal that would that makes the black on the and the dark patches on the costumes look white but it's not just a complete color reversal because if you look at the skin tones they're still like pink Mm. i mean they're not a natural pink but they're pink Mm. and so it's it's some kind of interesting partial reversal with other color overlays that is actually quite interesting. It does not look natural, and it does mm-hmm. not look like a simple color reversal. So right. they did care about something, I guess. <laughs> At least the special effects guys did. <laughs> all right. So if that's all we have for this one, we'd uh, like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including... Keith C, Ken K, John S, Luke E, and Tim and Marie M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek in all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edited this episode. So that's it from us this time. What did you think of the alternative factor? 
You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com, or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can watch The Secrets of Star Trek in video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the movie Star Trek First Contact. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing The Secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you, live long and prosper, and kill! Kill! <laughs> kill! <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, madness has no purpose or reason, but it may have a goal. That sounds almost pseudo-philosophical.